Margaritas, it's Emmy Award-winning health reporter, epidemiologist, medical doctor, author, poet, director of Stanford Center of Health Communication. Should I go on? It's Dr. Seema Yasmin. You've probably seen her on CNN, and she's got a brand new book called Viral BS, Debunking All the Medical Myths and Why We Fall for Them. thought it was pretty timely uh, during a global pandemic. I want to ask her about some COVID myths some other myths that we've heard as women. Um, Does birth control cause depression? Do vaccines cause autism? I have so many questions. I can't wait to speak with her. I also want to talk to her, aside from the book, about misogyny. And in her field of medical reporting, she's gotten a lot of criticism for being too pretty, looking too good. And I just don't see that happening with her male counterparts. And I'm so excited to announce that Squatch and Margaritas is now brought to you by my favorite water, Flow Alkaline Spring Water. Hydration is so important. Flow has every flavor you can think of, from grapefruit and elderflower to cucumber mint. Go check them out at flowhydration.com and use Squatch and Margaritas 20 for 20% off your order. Here is my episode with Dr. Seema Yasmin. I'm just going through your accolades, Um, Emmy Award-winning health reporter, epidemiologist, medical doctor, author of multiple books, poet, director of Stanford Center of Health Communication. I was just wondering in your spare time, is there anything else that you're looking to do? Sleep. Sleep (laughs) is my favorite hobby. I love naps. (laughs) Same. same. It's all about balance. You work hard and you nap hard. Your accomplishments to date like unbelievable and I definitely want to get into the book viral bs medical myths and why we fall for them but just like learning a little bit more about you and obviously I've seen you like on CNN you have dealt with like misogyny recently and I want to talk about that (laughs) what do you want to know and I'm sure you have dealt with this too I think it's a pretty universal experience yes but it's it just makes me so I'm pissed because you're a beautiful woman and it's almost like that's a downfall for as a medical doctor. Like you are criticized for being too pretty to be a doctor, and criticized for what you're wearing and wearing makeup and looking gorgeous. And I've never heard anybody talk about Sanjay Gupta or Dr. Fauci's outfits. Like, why are you being held to this standard that men aren't being held to? Right, and it's also like you can't win because then you can get the backlash for not looking feminine enough. I don't know, like you can get it from all angles, right? I will say that some of that also came from women. Women who were saying, you shouldn't dress a certain way because you're a scientist and I'm a scientist and I think you're giving us a bad name. And I'm like, I don't think so. And I think you need to examine some of your like internal misogyny and internalized patriarchy because guess what? You can be a scientist and wear lip gloss and yes. you can you can give yourself a really nice blowout and go on TV and be knowledgeable and your blowout doesn't take away from your IQ. Like, can we stop telling women that you have to look a certain way to appear scientific I just think it's baloney well I, I'm so over that and it's 2021 and I wish we were all past that conversation like there are more interesting things to talk about than our appearances it's just people that haven't seen it they're used to seeing someone like in a lab coat and I always the phrase empowered women empower women like yeah. you said you need to look in at yourself like maybe yeah. they're projecting 
something. It just it makes me the fact that you even have to answer that question. I is know. <laughs> you know? There, was a, there was a really good write up in Elle magazine. I saw well. it. Yeah, yes. and it, it was about me, but it wasn't just about me. It was about other women, and also it was about this whole med bikini hashtag med bikini scandal mm-hmm. that unfolded on social media last year, which anyone can just look up. That there's loads of things written about it now. But really, this idea of why is it that women must look a certain way to be deemed professional? Why is there so much scrutiny? And in a short story, in a short um, way of telling this thing, it yeah. was that women were kind of being scrutinized for posting their pictures of them in a bikini on vacation on social media. It's like, no, you're a scientist. You must not have that kind of life and you must not show yourself like frolicking frolicking in the surf. And it's like, we are whole human beings. I yes. can even have coat look and then I can put on lip gloss and like blow my hair out. Like, yeah, can we just get past that? And I love that you're standing up for that and you didn't like fall to that. It's people's inner dialogue with themselves and maybe their lack of confidence that they, I feel like anybody that looked like you would go on TV looking like you and putting on makeup and looking beautiful. You're a beautiful woman. You're a professional woman. And like I said, I hate that you even have to take the time on your interviews to talk about that, but I wanted you to speak on that because you never hear about, we don't talk about what men wear. I know. You know, even with Dr. Deborah Burks, who was on Trump's Mm -hmm. COVID task force, like she was a very well-respected HIV researcher and scientist. I then, and she was well-respected before she joined the administration. And then I think a lot of what she did needed to be criticized. I had a lot of reasons for critiquing her approach to the science and the way that she worked within the Trump administration. There were legitimate things to kind of dissect and analyze there, right? Right. But then so much of the talk about her was her scarves. I was like, I don't care. Like, (laughs) and even when I've been criticized i've been vocal i've been asked a lot about her and some of the things that she's been saying recently when i'm on cnn and i've criticized her because i think she could have spoken up a lot more earlier mm-hmm. defended the scientists and then the people on twitter are like chiming in like yeah she just cares about her scarves and i'm like no like right. why like let's right. just think who cares about the scarves when she was talking about you know that the science was being mishandled and miscommunicated in my opinion but you're right the men don't get the same scrutiny and and just for anyone listening thinking that i think women should look a certain way like I will fight to the end for for women to be able to appear however they want to appear, you know, makeup or no makeup, buzz cut or weave, like whatever rocks your boat, like express yourself. And the people who get to deem us as professional or unprofessional, like take our conduct, take our ethical stances, like analyze that as opposed to, I got a comment the other day that I wear too much eyeliner on my lower eyelid. Like, who who has time to care about my lower eyelid eyeliner in a pandemic? And actually, no, I don't. My eyeliner was very nice. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you're talking about saving lives of, like, what we can do about a global pandemic and people are criticizing your makeup. And it doesn't happen to men. And you also said something else. You can't win because if you didn't look like that, then people would be like, oh, put on some makeup. Like, (laughs) you know, you get judged no matter what. And it's just not something that men have to do. Like, if a man was about to do this, interview you wouldn't have to worry about someone bringing this up and it's just it's something else that's on your plate that, that you've handled so beautifully I did read that interview in L, and I'm just honored to talk to you I know I don't have that much time uh, you're a professional debunker of myths and you talk mm-hmm. about how these myths can spread faster than uh, viruses themselves how did this book like come about 
So in a nutshell, like I started off as a hospital doctor in England and then moved to America 10 years ago to serve as an officer in the Epidemic Intelligence Service at the CDC. So anyone who watched Contagion, which I think was like every single human alive wow. last year, that I had the job that Kate Winslet has in that wow. movie. And of course, it's the Hollywood version. So she gets sent alone and that kind of stuff wouldn't happen. But literally, it was being sent from one epidemic to another to investigate and try and stop the contagion. It's an amazing job. But when I was doing that job, very early on, I was like, hold on a second. Everywhere I get sent, every epidemic I'm investigating, it's never just a disease that's spreading. It's also misinformation. It's also all kinds of all kinds of medical myths and health hoaxes. Why are we being just focused? on the pathogen when the misinformation is fueling the spread of the pathogen yes. or the false information is leaving people very vulnerable to becoming sick and to not being able to kind of take the public health precautions and all of that. So I love my work at the CDC, but I thought, you know what, I need more training in this. I went to journalism school uh, to learn more about communication. How do you convey community stuff effectively? Um, how do you counter misinformation? And then this book came about when I was working as a health and science reporter, because even though I'd be working on my breaking news stories or my features, whatever, I was constantly bombarded with questions like, oh, I just read this study that came out that said birth control pills cause depression. Should I stop taking my pill? Or wait, England prescribes e-cigarettes to some people to help them quit smoking. San Francisco just banned e-cigarettes. Which right. is it? And it can be super complicated to be a human in this world yes. with evolving science and like so much contradictory information. So I was like, oh, let me tackle this. So I had basically had a newspaper column and I turned that into the book, but I also added a ton of new stuff as well. This is amazing and so timely. Um, I guess I got to start with COVID. Like what, is, what are the myths that you hear the most about COVID oh. right now? So <laughs> one or <many>. two. <laughs> I mean, catch me on a different day or a different time of the day and I'll have like a different one because there are so many. Yeah. I think one I'm hearing a lot right now is that the COVID vaccines change your DNA. What? And I worry about that because I think it can be a bit believable because we have the first ever mRNA vaccines, right? We've never had mRNA vaccines before. Now we have two authorized for the use uh, to prevent COVID-19. And I think you can hear mRNA and think, won't it affect my DNA? Wow. And so I, I'm, I'm actually not very judgmental when it comes to misinformation. And I, I start the book with a confession about how I used to be a conspiracy theorist. Yes. Right? <laughs> but with, with this, Michael Jackson, um, oh. you play it backwards <laughs> and, and the cover of the album and like yeah. reading into all the like it was the illuminati like that was my childhood it was very fun yeah. but like I, I totally get why people can believe certain things right. and so with that myth i'm like oh yeah somebody could think mrna affects dna actually no when you get these vaccines the mrna in the vaccine is used very quickly to make some of the spike protein for your immune system to respond to then that mrna dissolves and disappears it never actually gets into the part of your cell the nucleus where your DNA is. So that's just one example. But honestly, yeah. every day it's something new, isn't it, right now? Yes. And while I have you, I just, I mean, people should get the vaccine, yes. Yes. <laughs> people that get are still the on the Okay. Especially because now we are in a race between the vaccines and these new viral variants. And you know what? It's not even a surprise that we have new mutations in the viruses because that's what viruses do. And that's mm. why I got annoyed last year when people, some people were saying, just let the virus run through. Let it go, go on a rampage. People will get infected. They'll recover and will have herd immunity. Mm. The problem with that is exactly this. 
you let a virus spread that much and that's how it develops mutations. So now people are saying to me, should I even bother getting the vaccine? I'm like, yes, even more incentive to get vaccinated now because vaccines, hopefully, we haven't got full evidence of this, but hopefully vaccines will also make us less contagious. The news came out about the AstraZeneca vaccine showing early signs that it does stop you transmitting the virus or at least lowers the chance of you transmitting the virus to others. That's exactly what we need because it will stop the mutations happening to at least slow them down. Fantastic. Um, Selfishly, one of your myths that I wanted to debunk, my husband played in the NFL for almost 10 years and then Mm -hmm. obviously with college and he was a linebacker and they're hitting. Does playing football cause brain damage is one of your myths that I would love to chat about. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's a tough one. I've had friends who played in the league and hearing their conversations about like what they expect to happen to them, it's pretty harrowing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason these conversations are happening is because it has come to light over recent years that repeated head injury, not just from football, could be from hockey, it could be from boxing, it could be from other, you know, soccer and doing headers as well. Mm -hmm. Basically, that kind of repetitive head injury causes brain disease and it causes a progressive sometimes fatal disease called CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And this is why you might be hearing of some parents either just flat out saying, I'm not going to let my kids play or in other cases saying we need to find safer ways of playing football. And they have, I mean, they've moved things like the kickoff line back and they've made other, but we talk about that too. We have a son and when my husband was playing, he was like, they called it, you got dinged up and you just go out and they put you back in. But now, yeah. And they didn't have um, the knowledge and, like, the scientific research that we have now. But knowing it now, it's like, do we let our son play football when we know? And we ha- he hasn't had the straight-out no answer yet. But, like, I'm obviously hesitant. I watch for signs in him all the time. I know yeah. I could do a podcast on CTE. That's how much I research it. Um, yeah. so I was um, yeah. happy to see that in your book. Um, I have a lot of moms that follow me that are um, – I wanted to ask a couple of the myths that we could debunk for, like, women and moms. Um, do, does birth control cause depression? This headline caused so much anxiety a few years ago. There was a study, right? There was a study that came out, and they weren't saying cause in the study. They were talking about a potential link between women who take hormonal birth control having potentially higher rates of depression and other mental health issues. Mm. The headlines, here's problem number one, the headlines kind of misinterpreted that, and in some cases really were misleading the public, I think, in some instances, some headlines especially, kind of making it sound like a causal relationship. The second problem, though, was I think in the study design. So when you start then take away the news report and go straight to the study, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of issues, and I kind of go through all of them, I think, in the chapter as to why there's issues. I'll just give you one example. One of the ways that they deemed whether you had depression was were you taking an antidepressant? Okay, fine. Wow. But <laughs> if you weren't but, taking it, you weren't depressed. <laughs> and also, turns out there are antidepressants you can take at different doses for different conditions that mm. aren't necessarily depression. That's how yep. some medicines work. You yep. can use them for different things. So that's just one example of how it's a bit of a slippery slope to start linking one thing to another when there could be all sorts of other reasons that people might be at risk for elevated you know, chances of developing depression. Yeah, and when you talked about a study, there apparently a fraudulent study made this whole thing with vaccines causing right. autism and it was back like however long ago and it it was debunked and they said that he was basically like paid the doctor that was yeah. running the experiment 
Yeah, so this was in the 90s. A British doctor called Andrew Wakefield did these really unethical and fraudulent studies on children. He was going to kids' birthday parties, taking blood from them at the birthday parties. He oh. was doing colonoscopies on children that really should not have been having cameras mm. put up their backsides. It's like no small thing. Turns out, so then he basically publishes a paper that builds a link between getting the combined MMR vaccine and developing autism, right? Not only that, he publishes this in The Lancet, which is one of the most prestigious journals on the planet. So there's wow. others implicated in this, right? Then it comes to light that he has investments in individual MMR vaccines. Wow. So he stands to profit from you thinking the combined one is bad and you need to get the single separate vaccines instead. These yeah. journalists, thank goodness for these journalists, and especially Brian Deere, who kind of followed the money and was like, hold up, this ain't right. Yeah. The investigation happens, and it, what comes to light is that he has done such unethical, fraudulent things that he actually loses his medical license in England. He loses his life, and he moves to America, and ah! here gets all these celebs involved who are like, yeah, vaccines are toxic, vaccines cause autism. It's like, no. Uh, and people listen. They have a name and a, a voice that people listen to their celebrity. Like, oh, do I really only have you for one more minute? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Should we eat our placenta? No, please don't <laughs> eat your placenta. There have been so many celebs saying that when you eat and after you've delivered your placenta, you should eat it. No, it can be very, very dangerous. And I kind oh. of list in the book like why you should not do that and should not believe the hype. Oh, my gosh. Okay. New a medical myth that you wanted to debunk since the book was published that you didn't get to put in the book that you could share? Oh, my gosh. So many. Oh. I, I'm like, because it's just, they're just evolving all the time. Yeah. I will put them on my website. Okay. How about that? Fantastic. And it's SimaYasmin.com. And you can exactly. also sub submit your own suspected health hoaxes there. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I hate that you have to go. <laughs> I know. Thank you so You're much. You so take nice care. You, you too. too. Dr. Thank you. Bye. Dr. Seema Yasmin, it was very tempting to just ask her all of the myths and have her debunk them for us, but she only had a limited amount of time. I was squeezed in between huge interviews that she was doing, so I'm so honored that she did squash and margaritas. I'm so glad we got to discuss the misogyny that she deals with as a medical reporter, and she handled it so beautifully. Um, hopefully I got some questions in that you were curious about. Get the book, Viral BS, Medical Myths and Why We Fall for Them. She actually has a bullshit detection kit in the back. What questions you can ask yourself, like who is benefiting from this? Who's putting this information out there? Um, when you're trying to decide if something is a myth or not, you can submit your own suspected health hoaxes to her at SeemaYasmin.com and get the book on Amazon, Viral BS, Medical Myths and Why We Fall for Them by Dr. Seema Yasmin. And if you haven't subscribed to the Squats and Margaritas podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. Thank you.